If this is your first time in Family Church, welcome. Uh, we are on a series of thoughts. Uh, been look, we've been looking at the name or the names of God. You know, you, you may know God as God or our Father who is in heaven, um, but God like us, we have many names. I'm, I'm a dad, I'm a brother, I'm a husband, um, I'm a, a granddad, I'm an uncle, uh, I, I'm an employee, I'm an employer, I... I'm an elder, I'm a congregational pastor, I am a neighbor, I have, I've got lots of names. I am a son, mum. <laughs> She's gone out of the room, I survived that one, thank you. I'm a son, I'm there as well. So I'm all these things, and they help identify different aspects of who I am in life. And the same is true with God. Yes, he has the name God, or Elohim, um, which is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, and we know God by his name. But he also revealed his name through his personality, through his character, what he did for people, what he still does for people. And, and we get to know God through those different names. And when we pray, Lord, I need a victory in this. We pray, well, you may pray just in the name of Jesus. But actually, if you go back to the Old Testament, you can, you can start declaring Jehovah Nisi or Jehovah Nissi, however you want to pronounce it. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my victory. And you can start declaring and, and proclaiming, you are my victory because I know your name and I know who you are. And, and, and you know, just if, you, if, if you're a person who, who prays and you're saying, Lord, I just need peace. Many people would know oh, it's Jehovah Shalom. Same God, but he's the giver of peace. He's the one that releases a peace in our life that the world cannot give. It's a peace that surpasses all natural understanding. It guards not only our heart, but our mind in this life. So we can pray, Lord, you are Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, my peace. And you can go through all the, the covenant names of God, but we this week we're, we're looking at Adonai, if I could have my picture, that would be great. Adonai. We, we sing the song, what's... Forever Yahweh. Adonai. Thank you. Adonai Elohim. Um, and when we, we, we... But do we know what we're singing? Do we know the name? Why do we say Adonai? What does that mean to me? What does it mean in my life? How can I apply his name to my life and see how the power of that name works for me, how his name opens doors, how his name has an effect upon my life. What does it mean for me? What does it mean for us? And this, this is the scripture that, if you like, got me on this path, path of thought, and it's found in Isaiah chapter 52. And we've read it each week over the last three weeks. Is Isaiah 52, verse 6. And it says, Therefore, my people, and we've, we've already established, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're included in on this passage. Therefore, my people shall know what my name is and what it means. There are a lot of Christians that walk around in their, in their walk with God and they know his name, but they don't know what it means or they don't know how to apply it in their life. And it goes on, therefore they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, I am. And we've looked in the last couple of weeks or so about the fact that God called himself I am 
or Yahweh or YHWH, 10565, 10, the hands, uh, look at the, behold the hands, behold the nails. And, and the whole picture of that, if you haven't heard any of that teaching, you have missed out on some incredible teaching, not because I've taught it, but because of the revelation that I've seen that I've wanted to share with you. So I'd encourage you to go away and have a listen to the last couple of weeks. But as scripture here says, people shall know what my name is and what it means. The truths about Adonai don't mix well with the culture in which we live today. Like so many things in the Bible, this world or the world in which we live has strayed so far away from what the Word of God says. That's why, in many senses, we're classed as fundamentalists because we stick to what God's Word says and we don't say, well, culture says that this is how it's done today. Well, no, the Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It does not change. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word endures forever. So God's word is always going to be the foundational truth upon which we base everything that we teach and how we live. The world says today, I am the master of my own fate or I am the author of my own destiny. But that's not true. Because the Bible very clearly says in in Psalm 139, that before I lived one day of my life, the days of my life were penned out before me. Whether I live according to what God's intentions are is down to my choice. And whether I walk upon that path and that, that, that direction that he's called my life is down to me. He's given us the power of choice. That's why he said to Adam in the Garden of Eden, do not eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. He could have just said, look, I'm going to put angels around with flaming swords to stop you because I know in your heart, because I have said, do not touch, you want to. But he didn't. He gave us the power of choice. And you and I, all through our life, however young or old you are, have the power of choice. Do we do what God says and do it his way? Or do we do things my way, how I want to outwork them and live my way. And if we recognize Adonai as Lord and Master, in many senses, our choice has been removed. And we lay down our life and we say, not my will, but yours be done. So we're going to look at this a little bit more. So as you're reading through the Bible whether it's your old King James or or some other translation, as long as it's been a fairly accurate translation. When you see the word Lord, all in capitals, that word Lord translated is Yahweh or YHWH. If when you're reading through, you see Lord with a capital L and the rest of the letters are small, very often that word has been translated to Adonai or Elohim. So that helps you when you're reading through the the word of God to be able to see which one when it talks about Lord. For some in this room, 
when you hear the well, for us is when, when we hear the word Lord, I think of Lord Montague or Lord Mountbatten, or you know, I, I think of an ordinary person as well as the Lord Himself. Or you may be one of those people you think of the House of Lords and the House of Commons, and the Lords that sit. You know, was it Lord Lord Such the Raven Loony Party? You know, you, you got you got some loonies out there. They run parties as well, but you know, but they're Lords. Yes, there's another one. But do you know what? We have the privilege in this room to have a Lord in the room. Did you know that? We have a Lord. Not the Lord of heaven and earth, but we have a Lord in this room. I, I would like to show you their uh, credentials. There's the credentials. A bit small for you to read. But it actually says, Lord Joshua Wood. I know oh, that's a shock to many of you. He, uh, this is a, this uh, certificate asserts the legal right to assume the honorary, honorific title Lord Joshua Wood of Hugon Manor. Furthermore, Lord Joshua Wood shall be assigned dedicated land within the Hugal Manor estate in Cumbria. So if you ever go to Cumbria on holiday, ask Joshua if you can stand on his five foot of land. So when, when you see Josh, he's on, you know, even the lords and the ladies in the room, Lord Joshua doesn't mind doing media, which means we all should be willing. Yes, Harry. Oh, Harry. There's a, oh, wow. We've, wow, there's four lords in the room, plus the Lord of heaven and earth, Lord Jerry, Lord Carl, and who's the other one? Lord Harry or Lord Harry. Henry. So we've got numerous lords in the room. That's funny, that is. Sorry, I should have got all the certificates out the back here. So, <sighs> you really messed my head up now, all the different lords in the room. But when a Jewish person, this is where I'm going, when a Jewish person sees the word Adonai or Lord, he thinks of Lord and Master. See, when, when, we, when, when we do the prayer of salvation at the end of a service, we say, do you want to give your, you know, if you want to give your life to Jesus, your Lord and Savior. There are, there are so many Christians that love the part that he saves me. I'm going to go to heaven. I've got my ticket to heaven. I'm saved. But they forget he is our Lord and Savior. But for a Jewish person... It just comes automatically. He is Lord and Savior. He is Lord and Master. And it carries the weight of reverence. That, that awe in the presence of God. You know, I, I, I don't know what people's response would be if King Charles walked into the room. But I'd, I'd hazard a guess if the late queen came into the room... Oh, that doesn't sound... <laughs> if the late queen was alive still and she came into the room, that's what I meant, there would be an awe. We would be like, wow, what's the queen doing here? If Charles came into, King Charles came into the room, I don't know whether he commands that same kind of respect, perhaps not in all, perhaps in some. But you know what? The Lord of Lords was in this room. 
and still is in this room. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. That's a beautiful thought, isn't it? And one of those natural responses is reverence. To stand, and you know, we didn't, didn't sing, to stand in awe of you. To stand in holy reverence. It actually, it carries on and says to honor. When, when we have this awe, when we realize he is Lord, there is such an honor in his presence. I don't know who the most famous person that you would be in awe of meeting. You know, for some it might be, I don't know. Think of the person that you would be most in awe of. You know, you, you, you would be lost for words if they came into the room. If for some it might be a pop singer, a film star, or a sporting hero. Um, I'm just trying to think. George Foreman. For me, George Foreman is a bit of a sporting hero. Um, I, I, Tyson Fury. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm into. I'm into my blood sports. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I like a good fight. You know. I, I'm so sorry. Uh, oh dear me. I don't. <laughs> What have I, I've been drinking a different bottle of water. I don't know what's in it, but it's a fizzy one. It's a, it's a fizzy bottle of water. <sighs> Can't blame anything on that. Um, oh, dear, let's just get on. You know your person of heroes, your hero, okay? You, to stand in, in their presence would be like, oh, I never thought I'd meet them in my life. I never thought I would be in their presence. But we're in his presence every Sunday. Or we're in his presence the moment these wake up in the morning. Because he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. How do we walk? Do we walk with that kind of honor and awe? And the third thing that a Jewish person, when they think of the word Adonai, is they worship. Honor, awe, worship and reverence for who he is. Come on, I, I, I just sense in our hearts that, that we are growing and developing such an awe for the presence of God. Such a, such a, a heart that we, we cry out to him from the deepest parts of who we are on the inside. Come on, let's never do church because it's become a religious festival or a religious thing that we do on a Sunday. Let, let it never become a religious act that we do because we tick a box for a Sunday. No, we stand in awe of who he is, in honor, in worship, and in adoration. I want to take us to the very first place in the Bible where the word Adonai was used. And if, you, if you've got your Bible, feel free to turn to Genesis chapter 15. And we're going to read from Genesis 15, 1 through 5, because this passage is just a, an amazing passage. For, for, for most of you, you would know before God cut the covenant with Abraham, he was known as Abram. <clears throat> he was known as Abram. So, so you had Abraham and Sarah. Before the covenant, it was Abram and Sariah. Okay, and then God changed their names and, and, and all the rest of it. We're not going to go into that today. Genesis chapter 15. So we're going to be talking about the man named Abram who happened to be Abraham after the covenant was cut. 
In verse 1, it says this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding, exceedingly great re reward. I'd like to just pause for a moment. Salvatore, God is still saying that to you. Because Abraham was the father of the covenant. And the generations after him, the, even if you read Romans chapter 3, he is the father of faith. And we are part of that covenant, even though it was with the Jews, we're part of that covenant. And yet Jesus brought in even a better covenant that was unbreakable between heaven and earth. It's incredible, the whole thing of this. And it says, do not be afraid. How many times do we know that fear, you know, it says, do not be fearful, do not be afraid. How many times is that in the Bible? 365. One for every day of the week. Is that a coincidence? I don't believe so. There is so much fear in our world. The fear of getting cancer, the fear of death, the fear for families, the fear of, of COVID gone by, of it coming back. Fear of, of, have I lost my salvation? Fear, will I keep my job? Will I be able to pay the bills? Will we be able to make ends meet? Fear has just, just totally crippled people's lives. But here God is saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. And God is that to us. And then he goes on in verse 2, he says, but Abram said, Lord, God, Adonai, master, what would you give me since I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer, Eliezer of Damascus, someone born in his house. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house by one of my servants is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this, shall, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body will be your heir. When God promises something, it will come to pass. And his word is full of promises. Oh, Abraham was old. And, and Abraham didn't marry some young chick. Sarah was old as well. So we got two elderly people in their 70s moving on to their 80s who were beyond the age of childbearing and Sarah was barren. They had tried all their life to have children and they were barren. But God. Come on, what's, what's barren in your life right now? But God. What looks impossible to you is not impossible with God. I tell you, when we bring God on the inside, when we bring him into the equation, Abram turned around and said, it's nice that you've said that one will be born, but hey, you've given me nothing. You've given me no proof. What can I stand on? What can I believe in so that I can trust you in this journey? Because sometimes it, we, we can step out in faith the stepping out is perhaps the easy part. You know, we're, we're going along and we think, right, I'm going to step out in faith, but I don't know when the next step is going to be. 
the journey of faith or the corridor of faith is filled with moments when you don't know where your next step is taking you. But our faith is anchored on the promises of God. His word is a, he says, hope. The word of God is hope. Hope is an anchor to our soul. When we have hope in our mind, our will, and emotions, it anchors us on the promises that God will fulfill in our life. And it says, and it says this, there, uh, the one shall be born in, um, born in my household. And then God says, this one shall not be your heir, but the one that will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward the heaven and count the stars. If you're able to number them, he said to him, so shall your descendants be. He didn't go, he didn't say, Abraham, look, come with me. You see that one star up there, that's going to be your little baby. See, sometimes we limit God's ability and say, I just want one of my own. I just want one. But he said, no, 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 look at the stars And if you're able to number them, so will your descendants be. He is exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all we can ask or imagine. He didn't just show him one star. He showed him all of the stars. They didn't have light light pollution then. When they walked out, the heavens shone with the glory of God. And if you read Genesis chapter 12 through to Genesis chapter 18. They are some of the most powerful passages of Scripture in the Old Testament. Because what, between 12 and 18, they are establishing the covenant that God was making with Abraham. It was some of the most powerful passages in the Old Testament. But in Genesis 15, Abraham addresses God as Adonai. Lord and Master, you're in control. You know the journey. Remember when Abraham, Abraham was called, God said, I want you to go that way. Abraham must have, or Abraham at the time, he must have thought, well, where do I go after I go that way? And where do I know is far enough that way? When will the end of this journey come? But he said, I trust you that you will lead the way because you are Lord and you are Master. And he just kept on going the way God called him. Sometimes we get in the journey of life and we say, well, I don't know what else is in front of me. I'll do my way. I've had enough trying to follow because there's been a few obstacles in the journey. I'm going to do things how I want to do them from now on. And we go on our own journey. Come on, let's trust Adonai to lead and direct our journey. This is what the word Adonai in its literal translation means. The strong one leads our journey, and by his life, sorry, and by his hand, life is preserved. Have we placed our life in his hands? Is he truly the master who is the strong one who leads our journey? And by his hand, our life is preserved. 
Have we trusted him to that degree? Have we said, someone recently said to us, all the time you have your hands on this situation, God is saying, here I am. Every time you take your hands off that situation, he says, here I am. And he's got his hands on the situation. I tell you what, the safest place, hands off, God's hands on. Hands off, God's hands. You believe in for family members? Stop trying and let God move. Oh, that doesn't mean you just stop praying or you stop speaking the word or you stop being who you are. But stop travailing. It's not in your hands. It's in his. And allow him to have his hands on the situation. So God brought him outside and he said, look to the heavens. Do you know what? God is God. Let him be him. Because we're not. There are certain things we can't do. We can't change. We can't, when a doctor gives you a, a diagnosis that, that is life-changing or life-fulfilling, there may be things that we can't do anything about. Oh, yeah, we can perhaps change our diet. We may be able to do a bit more exercise to help ourselves. But that's where we trust God and say, I can't heal me, and doctors can't heal me, but you can. I trust you. And I think it's really important. I can't change my family. I can't do this. I can't do that. But I trust you. Come on, there are, there are situations in our life. You may have little ones right now, and they're growing up, and they're, 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 they're just live wires. Live wire children grow up. And they can still be live wires. And you think, how can I contain this? Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And he will direct your path. The key is the Lord. <laughs> if, I, if you can get anything out of this this morning, the key is the Lord in everything. The key is the Lord. God is God. And we need to be aware that he, he is in control. In the Old Testament, or, or throughout the, the, the Bible years, you know, we're talking about four to 6,000 years BC. What, what do you think was the biggest thing that man was aware of? You could say, oh, the planets and the stars, yes, but they didn't really know too much about what was out there in, in, in that sense, not 6,000 years ago or, or 8,000 years ago. Could have thought maybe the ocean or the seas, but how far they went on their little boat before they thought, well, I think we best turn back. This is a long way out. I don't know. I don't know how vast, they, how far they would have gone out in the vast oceans. But to me, the biggest thing that they would have really thought about were mountains and the hills that were around them. And it would have been the the, the seeing, seeing the, the mountains disappear in the clouds. They must have thought... This is huge. But listen to this comparison. In Psalm 97, verse 5, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. When you think the biggest thing that they could potentially picture or, or see before them was a mountain. But even the mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. Is there anything too hard for him? Is there anything too hard for our God? 
Absolutely not. But Abraham was walking in submission and in awe and in reverence for who God was. I want to carry on with the story of Abraham and Sarah and their journey of faith and the promise that Ad and I have made to them. In Genesis 18 verse 14, we read these words. And this is God speaking. Is anything too difficult or too wonderful for the Lord? He says, at the appointed time, when when the season for her delivery comes... I will return to you, Sarah, uh, to you and Sarah, and Sarah will have a son. This is, is anything too hard? Come on. We live life in a real world, don't we? And sometimes we look at stuff and we say, I don't know what else to do. This looks too big. This looks too difficult. This looks too hard. This looks beyond. But our God is a God who cares. He's a God who moves. He's a God who changes circumstances. There is nothing too hard. There is nothing too wonderful for God. Do you trust him in the journey? Is he your Adonai in this journey? See, we know that God's promise to Abram came to pass. Isaac was born. And we're going to look a little bit more at the story of Isaac next week because we're going to look at El Shaddai. But we also know the promise of the coming Messiah came to pass. Words that were spoken way back in the Old Testament, way back, even in Genesis, the very first book, in Genesis it spoke about that her seed will bruise his head. And whenever the seed was talked about in giving birth or or procreation, it was always the male seed. But God spoke of the female because Jesus was going to be a virgin birth. So we're talking 8,000 years before his birth. God is saying, her seed will bruise his head. Her seed will have victory. And Jesus was proclaimed back in the very first book of Genesis. But it was also proclaimed in Psalm 110. It says, The Lord, Father, Adonai, Father, says to my Lord, Adonai, Messiah, his son, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet, subjugating them into complete submission. Adonai on both sides of the Trinity. In the New Testament, Adonai or Jehovah is translated in the Greek as curious. Now, that's not Nick curious, as in tennis. You know, not many tennis fans in the room. Okay, curious. Curious also reveals the same sovereign power, supreme authority, and absolute ownership. You you may turn around and say, nobody owns me. I am my own person. Well, did you create this? Because there is a creator that created this when you were in your mother's womb. And now you are who you are. He is the creator of who you are. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as Savior just 20 times. But he is referred to as Lord or curious over 700 times. 
Oh, Jesus, be my saviour. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, be my Lord. Be my Lord. One to whom we bow the knee in worship and adoration, in awe of his presence. When temptation comes your way, you bow the knee to the Lord, not to the temptation. When there's pressure at work and you want to say what you feel, you bow the knee in submission to him as Lord and you say, not my will, but yours be done. Why, did, why, why do you think Jesus said, if, if someone hits you on the left cheek, you offer him the right? Just like Jesus did when he was at the cross. He, dis, he, didn't, he didn't retaliate. He didn't fight back. He said, no, not my will, but yours be done. It's incredible. Let me, I, want ask, I, want ask, I want to ask you to ask yourself what I would say are soul-defining questions, three of them. Have we completely and wholeheartedly surrendered our lives to Jesus as Lord? Not a part. I give you this part. I give you my Sunday morning for two hours. Have we given who we are completely over to him? Second question is this. Are we prepared to follow him as his disciples did and lay down our lives to fulfill the life he has for us? These are big questions to ask. As I sat there and I was writing them out, I was thinking, these are big, these are huge questions. But actually, if we are going to acknowledge him as Adonai, these are needed. Because... Are we prepared to follow him? Remember, Jesus is walking around the, 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 the seas of Galilee and he comes up to Peter, um, James and John, and he says, um, guys, put down your nets. Come follow me. They could have, they could have if, if, if they wanted to, they could have said, well, this is my father's business and probably my father's father's business, and you're saying lay it down to come and follow you. They didn't even question it. They just said, we're following. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what the next day was going to look like. They, if they had known on that day that Jesus said, come follow me, that in three and a half years, not only would Jesus die upon a cross, but a number of years after, Peter would say, I'm not fit to die the same way as Jesus. So therefore, invert me and crucify me upside down. Because he's worthy to follow. They followed him even to death. And do you know what? Many of us, you know, the Bible is very clear. Even in this life, some will lose brothers and sisters and loved ones in their life. And, and you'll, you'll be left alone. But I'll tell you what. If we really knew who Jesus was, he's still worth following he's still worth it the disciples saw it oh when 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 who was the first one that was killed peter no stephen thank you stephen stoned stoned for what he believed because he would not change his confession the rest of the disciples they could have thought oh i don't want that i don't want that kind of death i've acknowledged him as my savior but right now, I don't really want to follow him as Lord. 
No, 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 that's not how it works. Come on, let's be real. And the third question is this. Are we at the place where we, know, where we are no longer withholding anything from God? All that I am is yours, and all that I have is yours. Phil came to me not so long ago, and he said, uh, Jeff, don't suppose I could borrow your car at some point. He's the first person, I think, that properly asked me if he could borrow my vehicle. Oh, there was a battle in my head for about two seconds. You could probably see my face. What? He's asked to borrow my van. My van. My precious van that carries all the rubbish from this place to the dump now. But my van. And it's like, is it mine? I've been given stewardship over what God's given me. So it's not my van. It's Phil's van for that day. As long as he doesn't scratch it or break it or do anything else. <laughs> but do unto it as you please. Don't everybody ask to borrow my van, all right? This is a special dispensation just for Phil, okay? But all that I am is yours, and all that I have is yours. Can I actually say that with everything? I think the last thing that I was needed to break was the van. Because everything else, I, I, you want to borrow my lawnmower? Yeah, it just about works. <laughs> Needs a bit of oil. But yeah, just, do you want to borrow <laughs> my fishing rod? That's, that's my next good thing. Do you want to borrow my fishing rod? I'll give you my spare ones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, there isn't, I'm not, there is nothing that is not mine. There's nothing that is now yet mine. I recognize it's all his. And so's this. There came a moment 20 years ago when I was a postman delivering letters and the door opened to lead the church. 20 years ago. Has it all been plain sailing? No. Has there been a lot of rewards? Yes. Could I have walked away from leading the church? At least on four, maybe five occasions. That's where you need to be thankful for Jane and the Lord. Because Jane turned around and said, this isn't a job, Jeff. This is what God called you to. This is where I need to... Whew, it's not a job. It's your calling. And I'm so thankful. <laughs> so thankful. For wisdom that comes from one another in the journey. When life can be really tough. I, I, I even went back to the post office to see whether they would have me. But God but God in the journey. When all forsake you, God is still there. Amen? The words, he is Lord, cannot just be on our lips. It has to be our life. It has to be all of who we are. 
You know, I've known people over the years who have said, my, my time with the Lord is so, so narrow, so small. I'm going to change my job so that he can have more of me. I think that's just powerful. That even their job didn't hold them. That they gave him their all. In closing, I'm going to miss a couple of bits. In closing, consider two characteristics. We fully acknowledge we are his. Do we? Do we fully acknowledge? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says this, For you were bought with a price. You know, if, if, if you came along right now and you said, look, I'll, I'll offer you, well, what should we say? I'll offer you for this phone 10 quid. <laughs> it's smashed to bits. It's fallen apart. I'll offer you 10 quid. If I said, okay, yeah, I'll, let's swap over. It's yours. You bought it with a price. You were bought with a price. It wasn't a negotiable price. There was only one price. And it was the Son of God on the cross stretched out for you and for me who bled and died for the sin of the whole world. And when he was on that cross, he cried out, forgive them for they know not what they do. That wasn't just for the centurion soldiers and the high priests that were there that day. That's for every one of us that have sinned. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus doesn't go back on the cross every time we make a mistake. The Bible says he did it once for all, for all of us. Come back to choice. The key to our eternal destiny is to say, Jesus... I acknowledge that you did what you did on the cross for me personally. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And when we have that in our heart, we can declare this truth. Just one last scripture, Psalm 16 verse 2. It says this. I think King David said this. I said to the Lord, Adonai, You are my Lord. Every good thing I have comes from you. I have no good apart from you. What a declaration. You know, for you in this room, you may need just to prophesy that over your life. All that I have, all the good that I have comes from you. All the good that is yet to come comes from you. I'm going to prophesy that over my life. There is good in the journey of my life. There is good in the journey where I'm going to. God has already gone before me. But I want to ask you this question this morning. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Today, I'm just going to, as we do most weeks, going to pray a very simple prayer, um, a way of introduction to Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And I just want to pray a very simple prayer. I want you to pray it as well. If you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you want to give your life to him and acknowledge that he is your Lord and your Savior, the one who leads you, guides you, and the one who saves you from eternal separation from God, 
Now, I want you to pray that prayer. And at the end of it, all I'm going to do is ask you to pop up your hand, pop it back down. Everyone's going to have their eyes closed except for me. And then we're going to give you a Bible and a couple of other items as well. So let's pray together. Nice and loud for those that are praying it for the first time. Jesus, I come to you today. And I thank you that you are Adonai. You are Lord and Savior. So Jesus, today, I thank you that you died on a cross for me. You took my place. Today, I want to give my life to you. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. While every head is bowed and every eye closed in this room, the Bible very clearly says if you confess with your mouth or speak out of your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. So you've prayed that prayer this morning. I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you if you prayed it sincerely in your heart, just to put up your hand, pop it back down. One, two, three. If you prayed that this morning, just pop, pop up your hand. Give me a little wave, pop it back down. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I'm not going to call anybody out. Just helping you on this journey. That's you here this morning. You want him to be your Adonai, Lord and Savior. I'm going to count down from five. The last couple of weeks we've had numerous people. Today, may not be anybody, but I'm going to count down from five. Five, four, three, two, one. Father, I thank you for your word in our lives today. Lord, I pray that it will take root in our heart and it will bring change to our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask you to work on us so that we would honor and reverence and worship who you are in our lives, not just here on a Sunday, but we would honor you with our bodies and honor you with our minds and honor you in our spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.